Hi there, and welcome back to the Not Just For Kids Movie Club. This is the podcast that looks at family films and the movies grow throughout the ages. And this is our strand that kind of looks at slightly different things from our main podcast feed. As ever, my name's Russell and I'm your host. I'm a pretty big film fan and a father of two, and this is the podcast that combines those two things. And today, in preparation for the much-anticipated release of the new film, The Batman, we are finishing our look at The Cape Crusader with perhaps his greatest set of films to date. As always, a reminder this is recorded virtually, which means both occasional audio issues, but also guests from wherever they are in the world. Really, with Zoom, we can talk to whoever we want about these fabulous films. So today, we head back to Gotham as we talk Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. What the hell are you? So today we are joined by a returning guest, who is the film writer and podcaster. She's been on so many times now. I keep getting her back on because I love talking to her about films. She was last on talking about uh, Evil Dead 2 and Spider-Man, which, yes, one of them is not a family film, but you've got to talk about Evil Dead at some point. It's the film writer and podcaster, Chloe Davies. Hi, Chloe. Hi. Thank you so much for coming back on. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm all right. I, as we're talking <laughs> off air, there's, I've been watching a lot of films. I think I've seen like 110 films this year, maybe already. Damn. I'm, I'm like a little bit behind, so I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> I, just, I just keep watching too many films. Like, <laughs> I, I'm watching a lot of films. Um, I went and saw Serrano last night, which was really great. And I came out really sad and angry. Oh, sad because the I film saw that and then I saw tragically. the Duke after and it was a bit of a pit me up after how depressing that was <laughs> I wasn't expecting t- it to be stupid depressing either <laughs> yeah it's kind of pitched as more comedic than it actually is and I mm. thought that Peter Dinklage was fantastic yeah I'm super mad that he's not up for an Oscar given that I think some of the other best actor noms are kind of sucky and he is so good in this it's, it's such a great mm. performance yeah it's nice to see him in a, in a really actiony role as well like the scene where he's like dueling people and stuff that was like some daredevil corridor scene shit it's so good <laughs> yeah and no, he gets to do everything gets to sing gets to be happy gets to be sad gets to fight it's it's and he does it all really well and it's just his face mm-hmm. when there's a scene early on where he thinks something is happening and then it changes and it becomes something he doesn't want to happen and his face kind of crumpling but not showing it all is is a really great moment. There's so many great moments in that film, yeah. Mm. But we're not here to talk about musicals. That's my other, my other strand. We're here to talk about the Batman, <laughs> not the new one, <laughs> the character. Um, what's your relationship with Batman? Where'd you come with the character? I love Batman in pretty much all of its iterations. Um, the Dark Knight was a film that I would watch pretty much every day as a teenager <laughs> I don't, looking back I'm like how did I have the patience to sit through an over two hour film every day well I was just very fixated on it and um I also was very in love with Adam West Batman I just thought the 60s show and the film as well was so fun and it was just something I would watch every day after school on ITV um and I just I love how different all the variations of it are like you've got lego batman you've got this which is a lot darker um you've got tim burton you some were a bit more kind of outlandish and cartoonish you've got the animated versions as well there's just i know a lot of people get annoyed with the repetitiveness of seeing the same story but i think this has been done so many times in so many different ways that it kind of keeps it interesting and i'm very excited to see the new one as well yeah so um you've come come on and one of the films you talked about there is what you're going to talk about but yeah the character is one that's had so many iterations that just are really interesting and i don't even mind the bat flick when i kind of have come around to think it's all right much yeah <laughs> and i think it's because i mean i've watched it twice now i've watched the snyder cut twice because mm. apparently for our film is worth watching twice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i i do like that versatility and i think the kind of meme that we keep seeing how his parents die. Yes, I, at some point I'd stop seeing how his parents die, but there are all these levels of this character that are just really fun to explore. Mm. But you've come on for what I think might be 
probably the best. I mean, it's not it's not my favorite. My favorite is always going to be Batman Returns because I love all its weirdnesses. But this might be the best version of Batman. So we're going to talk about the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm going to give Spiel a change from norm. We're just going to talk about all the films together because we could do it so that we talk about Batman Begins and the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. But A, I think we'd cover the same ground and B, I think we'd be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> They're long films. They are like, such... a lot to cover. Well, no, the first one's like two hours, but the other two are like increasingly long and sprawling. And so I thought we'd just mm. talk about them as a whole and we'll talk about like bits of them, but we won't talk about like everything about the Dark Knight trilogy because there's a lot there. <laughs> so what do you think? Does it come in black? So between 2005 and 2012, we got three films from Christopher Nolan in the Dark Knight trilogy. We've got Batman Begins, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Across this trilogy of films, we chart Bruce Wayne's journey from a broken child who has seen his parents die, which we all know happens, uh, to a cape crusader taking down increasingly outlandish villains, to a sort of mythic legend by the end of The Dark Knight Rises. The cast, I mean, the cast is fantastic. Across the three films, some of these are only in one film, some of them in multiple films, some like go through the entire journey together. So you've got Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Ken Watanabe, Liam Neeson, Katie Holmes, Gary Oldman, Cillian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Rutger Hauer, Morgan Freeman. That's just the first film. Then in the second film, you add into the mix Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, who replaces Katie Holmes. And then in the final one, you get the likes of Tom Hardy, Anne Hathaway, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard, and Ben Mendelsohn. And I mean, it's just that there are even other actors I've left off this list. It's an incredible ensemble. Uh, Christopher Nolan is directing. And before this, he's done Following, Memento, Insomnia. And then after this, and in between this, he did like huge films like The Prestige, um, Inception, Interstellar. He's got one coming out. It's about someone. (laughs) (laughs) He's got this film coming out that, again, the cast is phenomenal for that. He makes these incredible incredible blockbusters some work more than others but they're all really interesting for me uh this he writes with uh david escoya whose name has been in loads of uh superhero uh films and tv shows most famously he did the blade trilogy batman vs superman and terminator dark fate and jonathan nolan who is christopher's brother also writes and he has written the prestige interstellar and the westworld tv uh, series And as well as stars, directors and writers coming across the films, we have the same composer for the three films and Hans Zimmer, who partners with James Newton Howard for the first two, Uh, the same cinematographer and Wally Pfizer and the same editor and Lee Smith. So we might get into the whole way this feels like a connected uh, set of films. Uh, All three films were hits. So Begins was modestly so. So it made a $373 million box office on a $150 million budget, but it was cheaper than the previous films and also critically beloved and yeah they gave it another sequel which was the dark knight which was a colossal hit so it made a billion dollars on a 800 uh, not 800 a 185 million dollar budget and then rise was also a big hit it cost more uh, 250 million dollars but it also made a billion dollars at the box office and the dark knight i mean none of these are very have won many Oscars, but The Dark Knight won a pair in the form of Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger and for sound editing. Uh, where to begin with The Dark Knight trilogy? Um, what's your story of these films? Where do you come with these films? I will say, I think this is actually my first time watching it as a whole trilogy. Um, I, When I was... I must have been about 12 when The Dark Knight came out, and I went to see it with a friend and I wasn't aware that it was connected to other films or that it was going to be a trilogy. So I hadn't seen Batman Begins at that point, I don't think. Um, so I guess I I can say that they do stand alone quite well. I'd say the third one, not so much because you do kind of have the history of the previous two films um, kind of informing it. But with 
sort of Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, you can kind of use have those as individual films. Um, and so The Dark Knight is kind of the one that I've loved the most. But watching back, I do also realize I kind of underappreciated Batman Begins. Like, I love Killian Murphy. I think he's great as Scarecrow. And um, as a tr- as a trilogy, it kind of made me appreciate the character work more. Yeah, totally. Um, definitely, I think there's things that are fed from Begins all the way through to Rises, and even the less obvious stuff of the Ra's al Ghul and Talia al Ghul stuff of it. Um, it does feel like there are these themes that connect the three films together. Um, so I definitely saw all three of these on their opening day. I saw The Dark Knight in IMAX on its opening day, and it kind of blew my tiny mind um i remember liking begins a lot i i yeah it was refreshing it was it was before all these blockbusters kind of copied it by making everything dark and realistic and explaining what everything is and i think that's the wrong lesson to have taken from the trilogy i think the lesson is to give the creative so those kind of editors cinematographers directors writers the freedom to make the film they want to make and they'll probably end up making a if not good film and an interesting film. Um, but yeah, so I remember watching Begins. It, I was at school and for some reason we had a Friday off. I want to say I was doing my AS levels. So I think I just had the Friday off to revise or I'd finished my exams. Um, yeah, and and I loved it. I loved the tease for a sequel. And then The Dark Knight was incredible. I worked in a cinema that summer and would watch the lorry flip and the opening heist on my shift when I would go and do screen checks, I'd time it so I could watch the opening <laughs> and that point like four or five times in a day. Um, it's probably too many times to watch it. But yeah, I watched The Dark Knight a lot. And then uh, Dark Knight Rides, I, I've always had a real fondness for it. I think the last act is less effective than the first two acts. But yeah, I, there's so much I like about Rise as well. We'll get into like the villain in Tom Hardy, we'll get into all this other stuff about it. Yeah, there's there's a lot I like about it. And uh, I find myself watching them as a collective probably every year right now. I just kind of put them on like, but this is the first time for a while I've done it like across two days. I've watched all three films. I've watched them all really close together. Um, I guess we should talk about the world that start with the world and then we'll drill down into the specifics of it. Um, how do you think these films look and feel and, and, and the sound set? How do you feel from a creative perspective they're kind of all connected in and and that how, how do you feel that is for the films? Yeah, Gotham does feel very um very real. Like I think in particular when there's a scene in that comes to mind in Batman Begins where Rachel's driving a sort of younger adult, Bruce Wayne who's like angry it's after the whole court thing and he like wants to shoot that guy and she's like showing him the sort of the underside of Gotham and is talking about how deprived everyone is and how that's why people are turning to crime I feel like this world is very it is dark but it's also quite human they really humanize the villains quite a lot and kind of have this understanding that you know you don't have to be a bad person to commit crime um and that's particularly why I like Harvey Dent's character as well. Um, and it's just it's something that's fed through all the films, I think, as well. Um, yeah, so it's just not this, like, black and white v- version of the world. It's quite grey. Um, and also, I do like the fact that, like you said earlier, that films kind of took the wrong message from the film and decided <laughs> to make things, you know, darker and gritty and realistic. But I think there is also this sense of hope in the films as well. Um, and I think you particularly get that from the end of The Dark Knight Rises. And I don't think that gets remembered as much. Like there is like, like Bruce Wayne wants to believe that humanity is good. Um, so yeah, so I really love the world building in that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and definitely that ending. I, I found myself welling up this time as I watched it after the... Emotion. <laughs> oh yeah it's it's because it has the music and it's like doing this like montage of all the key players afterwards and it kind of is setting in that the idea that the dark knight bruce wayne may be 
gone he's suddenly gone from gotham but the idea is that the dark knight itself can be an idea that continues and it's a really uh effective way to end the trilogy um yeah no and, and i think that the world it builds is really interesting particularly because this comes after the burton schumacher films and one of the burton films is one of my favorite films ever made but they are such stylized worlds. They're all about miniatures. They're all about models. They don't feel like real cities. Whereas because in this, particularly in the second and third, because the first slightly less so, but the second and third, because so much of it is shot in cities, so much of it is shot in like Chicago, particularly the second, it's all in Chicago. It feels like a lived in American city. It feels realistic. It feels recognizably our world. Um, I know Nolan likes to use a lot of practical effects and things like that and he likes to he's very um I'd call him like a proper like cinephile like he loves using film instead of digital and that kind of thing and I think maybe that helps to make it feel like visually quite realistic as well yeah and also so this was I think this was the second one was the first one of the first films to be shot segments of it with the IMAX camera which is apparently a nightmare to use it's big it's expensive it's clunky it's loud um but he likes to use it for like his action scenes so you get a lot of these action scenes using an imax camera so it's kind of there's this feeling to them that's a bit different from uh films around them but yeah no so yeah the world being i mean it does change so like in begins because it's in a studio the the way it's constructed feels different so there's obviously the giant uh, train in the middle of Gotham that seems to just disappear <laughs> between <laughs> films they just stop talking about it it's such a big thing of the finale at, at least um yeah I love I love how this feels I love that it feels lived in as a place and as you say like like the characters feel uh complicated they feel there's not any like two-dimensional characters here there's there's no one who's wholly good or wholly bad and we'll get into Harvey Dent but that's kind of exemplified by Harvey Dent's arc which is more impactful on rewatch I feel like I feel like that's more impactful on rewatch because you kind of get over Heath Ledger's phenomenal performance and it's just there and you can focus on the final act the dark knight which is is the fall of Harvey Dent people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. What symbol? Something elemental. Something terrifying. Um, what do you think Christian Bale is the hero? What do you think of him as his version of Batman? Obviously, it's a character that at this point had been played uh, by a few different people and has been played since by other actors uh, what do you think of him as as batman and bruce wayne i really really like him actually I've, i i don't know how popular that opinion is because i feel like when you ask people who their favorite batman is it's never christian bale but i would say he's one of my top ones like especially re-watching them all back and seeing the journey his character goes on and i think he actually ha- brings kind of humor to it like it's surprising i don't really associate Nolan films with being funny but there are moments where it's kind of it's not so serious um that it's just completely joyless you know what I mean and I think that's particularly evident in his dynamic with Alfred played by Michael Caine um I love their kind of their relationship and I think it brings a lot to the film and honestly if I were Alfred I would have punched him in the end <laughs> like you know when he sees at the end of the Dark Knight Rises I would have like I would have you know probably had a guy at him but <laughs> yeah um I think Christian Bale does a really good job he obviously proper bulked up for this um I guess he's a guy who kind of like really puts himself into all his roles physically um and yeah he I, I don't think he gets appreciated enough for it to be honest have you um, seen a film called The Machinist? I have. He looks horrendous in it. So he made The Machinist <laughs> made and then he made Batman Begins. So he went from that to his quite bulkiness in Batman Begins. It's not good for him. I, I think he... No. Um, 
I don't like it when they do that. It's like so. <laughs> it's not good for you. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's. Uh, there's a part of him that's kind of endurance acting, which is that he'll just warp himself to fit the part. Mm. It can't. It, long-term health issues, but yeah, I I think he's great in these films. I I think it's the first time I've watched this, and I've first time I've watched a Batman and thought they got the Bruce Wayne right that. Mm of him being a performance of him being this playboy performance is, is really effective. And you mentioned humor and these are quite funny films. Like there are moments in this that are funny, like the idea that they're just uh, the idea that Hollywood took that films need to be deadly serious from this is not really watching the film the right way because there are funny one-liners. Everyone says funny stuff. You can't have Michael Caine in the film and it not have some humor to it. He's really great at the humor, and they do feed that in. And like, there's a great exchange, for example, in The Dark Knight, where they uh, Bruce has decided he's going to turn himself in, and they're leaving their temporary bat cave. And uh, Alfred's like, "I bet you'll pin this. I bet you're going to say, uh, I bet you'll uh, pin me as your accomplice." And then Bruce says, "No, I'll, it's all up in it all on you." <laughs> Yeah, um, I like I like them those two, and also um, Morgan Freeman's is it Lucius? Um, yeah, yeah. He's I think they also have a good back and forth as well. Like they they bring a lot of humor to it, and I, I don't know, kind of the fact that he has these relationships um, as Bruce Wayne, it kind of brings more stakes to the film. Like he has these people who care about him, and he cares about these people, but he's putting his life on the line for the city and that's actually quite brave but also horrendous like Alfred tells him like you've given them everything you've got and and you know he, he will go as far as he has to um and it's kind of hard for everyone yeah because he is sort of addicted to um fighting crime to being the Batman because between the second and the third the idea is he hasn't been Batman and then he feels himself pulled back in and leads to his back getting broken which is not fun for him but yeah and you mentioned those allies and they're one of the things i love about nolan's films are the kind of trio of allies that are across the three films so you get gary oldman's commissioner gordon you get um michael Caine's alfred and you get morgan freeman's lucius fox and they all play roles they all play a part within um both batman and bruce wayne's life and and so, like, they're all allies within his fight, but they're also treated as real people. They're all interesting and real and played by phenomenal actors. So you get really great performances in these parts. And the, across the three films, they're given moments to really shine. Yeah, and I really like Gary Oldman, actually. He's, he's got a very kind of um, sort of gentle vibe to him in this film, but he's also, like, quite um, commanding when he needs to be. I will say how I'd like to propose that he kind of has the hots for Batman. Like whenever I watch his films, I'm like, he totally wants Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and that just kind of adds another layer to it all, um, which is great. <laughs> I will say it is ridiculous that he doesn't realize until the end that Batman is uh, Bruce oh, Wayne and it takes a comment. So hard. It was so vague. Like it literally could have been talking about anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, no, I, so I, I love that it has these shared acts across its films. I love that it's these actors. Uh, and I love how it represents them in this film. Being a fan of the comics, having Alfred this way, having Commissioner Gordon this way, even having Lucius Fox, who's not really a big presence in a lot of the comics, but now feels so key to it. And so much of the interpersonal drama is really interesting. So particularly in The Dark Knight, where... Um, Commissioner Gordon fakes his death at one point, and so we have to go through we go through that as this kind of tragedy of it. And when I first watched it, I was like, "Oh my god, they've actually killed off Commissioner Gordon halfway through the film." I actually thought they'd done it. Okay, and then, <laughs> and then there's like Alfred makes a choice in that to burn a letter from Rachel after she's died, so that he can hide the truth from Bruce of, that she wasn't going to come to him. Um, yeah, it's all these really interesting threads within these films for these characters. Rachel? I'd heard you were back. What are you doing? Uh, just swimming. Wow, 
It is good to see you. You were gone a long time. I know. How are things? Same. Job's getting worse. Can't change the world on your own. What choice do I have? Um, what do you make of the love interest? So we get uh, Rachel Dawes, who's played in the first one by Katie Holmes and the second one by Maggie Gyllenhaal. And a fun fact is that they screen tested two endings to the Batman Begins. One was that him and Rachel become an item, one that Rachel walks away. And so then the screen test picked the Rachel walks away ending. That's why we get it. Um, or at least that contributes why, why we get it. And then this, the third, he gets two love interests. He gets uh, Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, Selena Carl, and Mario Courtier's, I don't know the name of her like fake name, but she's Talia al Ghul, uh, Liam Neeson's daughter, which is a bit ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what do you think of, of his love interests, who also kind of is allies too? You know what? I used to really dislike Rachel. Um I don't know why, but she used to really piss me off. And watching them back this week, I was like, why did I hate her? I'd say the only legitimate reason I have to dislike her now is that she kissed Bruce Wayne while she was still going out with Harvey. And that was kind of rude. But to be honest, that's <laughs> not the worst thing anyone's done in these films. So I can kind of forgive that. Um, but yeah, she's she's very like fierce. Um, it's weird because... <laughs> so Katie Holmes does not strike me as like fierce but there's this kind of like ferocity to them like underneath that you can kind of they're very independent and I don't think it's just their relation to Bruce Wayne that makes them good characters you know um yeah I, I actually like I feel like people give Katie Holmes a lot of shit but I don't actually think she was that bad in the first film. I quite liked her. And then obviously Maggie Gyllenhaal comes along and I liked her as well. Um, I do I do kind of wish that I understand why she did, but I, I really wish she hadn't have been killed off. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen her make it to the end. Um, but obviously we needed that beat to get to to face. So um, yeah, that sucks. But as for Talia Al Ghul, um, that plot twist is kind of insane, but I really liked what they sort of what that brought to Bane's character um there's that whole scene where she's explaining that he was like her protector and things like that um and yeah I really like that um I actually would have liked to have seen more about their relationship if that had been revealed earlier on um I would have liked to have learned more about those two I think they're quite interesting but yeah I actually overall quite like those characters yeah, and uh, so I, I think the use of Rachel Dawes is interesting in that in for much of the first one, she is this uh, voice of reason and almost uh, Bruce's conscience. Conscience? Mm. Conscious? Conscious, what am I yeah. <laughs> She's, yeah, almost Bruce's conscience and, and is drawing it, the attention back to the reason why he becomes Batman, which is to fight crime, is, to, is because... Gotham is a cesspool of crime. Um, and uh, my, Maggie, G, Maggie Gyllenhaal is phenomenal, is a phenomenal performer and does great things in the Dark Knight, right up until the point where she gets blown up, which is, uh, <laughs> All right. I think I think it's fine, but I also think it plays into an unfortunate trope from the comics and also into blockbusters, which is this idea of killing off a love interest mm, to exactly, give... Yeah purpose and to give stakes to the world whereas you don't yeah i mean i yeah i i think it's an effective way to show that the joker is um a force of is a terrifying force but also it is a trope that's been used a lot um i think marion courtier is is fun in in dark knight rises i think it's slightly underwritten or under it doesn't have the screen time for me and yeah as you say there is it's really interesting to think of uh, Bane as her protector, but we don't really get much time with that idea. It kind of is presented and then Bane is killed off. Um, mm. And I really like Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I mean, it's, she's not Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, but I think she's a really interesting um, addition and a morally complicated one, which mm. is is nice. Yeah, she's hot and then she's cold and then, 
you know she's yes and she's no she's very complex yeah exactly (laughs) as Katy Perry would say (laughs) and she's not really a villain in this like Catwoman in in the past has been a villain and also an ally and she's not really a villain in this but she has a complicated relationship with the villain in in the piece and so we should probably get into the villains because they are so much of I guess why these films appeal thought my jokes were bad. Give me one reason why I shouldn't have my boy here pull your head off. How about a magic trick? I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. It's it's gone. So in the first one we get Razal Ghoul and Scarecrow. In the second one we get uh, Joker and uh, Two Face, and in the third one we get Bane and Talia Al Ghul, and it's so they kind of have two villains apiece. Uh, yeah, what do you think of the villains? I mean, we will get into the Joker of the pack, but yeah, what do you think of the villains? I really like Scarecrow, especially just as a concept. Like, I think he's a really cool villain, um, particularly playing like the Arkham games and getting to experience that kind of trippy. Yes. Yeah, vibe. But those bits are so cool, and he's like really <laughs> scary and big, and it's like, oh. <laughs> there is no crane. They're all over me. Holy scarecrow! <laughs> 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 Yeah, I I love I love Killy Murphy. I think he's very like magnetic. Um, I don't know if it's just the, the blue eyes and they're just intensity, but he he just like when he's on screen, I'm paying attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was glad he kind of cropped up even in the like briefly in the other two as well. Um, obviously, at the time when I watched The Dark Knight, I couldn't appreciate that fully because I hadn't seen Batman Begins. But <laughs> as I said, they stand alone very well. You can kind of now I can appreciate it. Um, also, Bane, what an endless, endlessly quotable guy. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. If I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you. Was getting caught part of your plan? Of course. I love doing my Bane impression. Like, <laughs> so fun. Like, I remember everyone doing the Bane impressions right after this came out. Like, you can quote along with this film because so many of his lines are just so memorable. Um, Tom Hardy, like, had a great time doing this, I think. <laughs> also, he was insanely bulked up for this film. Like, I said Christian Bale was, but, like, Tom Hardy, I don't know how he did it. He must have been on steroids. <laughs> But yeah, um, he's kind of a f- he's kind of funny, like in the way he sounds. But he is kind of tragic, like I said with the plot reveal later on with Talia. They kind of gave him like this other side to him, and I actually felt kind of bad and would have liked to see more of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think the villains are really cool, and obviously the Joker had an absolute chokehold on society <laughs> at the time. <laughs> My God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. So um, I think Scarecrow is used so effectively in this. And yeah, the Arkham games, I remember those Scarecrow missions are just are yeah, so cool. etched on me. They're very cool. It was a very cool way of doing them as a boss. But yeah, I mean, how Scarecrow is used in the, in the um, first is really great. And then to have him come back for brief cameos is also great. It's a really fun addition to those films and it makes it feel like the the world goes on. Like by having that villain come back in, it, it feels like it's, it's this world that exists. Um, I One of my favourite facts is that the bit where Scarecrow takes his own toxin and sees the oozing um, black-skinned monster of Batman is actually and it's an actual costume that someone's in. I think Bale is actually oh my God, in that costume. Really? Yeah, it's not a CGI, That's... it's like an actual practical effect. 
I am. I love that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and Liam Neeson as as Razal Gould is is fun. Um, I don't know if he leaves an impression more that it's that it's built into the backstory of the characters. That's where the impression is for me is that he's just a mental figure. Um, he's, he's kind of like the puppeteer of everything. He's not really the forefront. He's kind of got these other people doing the work for him, I guess. Yeah. He's kind of, he's kind yeah. of the, the head of the operation. And I, I think Tom Hardy's Bane is both hilarious because the voice is insane. Oh, I've never so got good. over the voice. What a choice. <laughs> um, and, um, but he's also this really intimidating presence. And the reason why I so enjoy the first half of The Dark Knight Rises is because it's just him as this intem- intimidating presence being there as this interruption into Gotham. And just there are some of these sequences with him that are just fantastic. And the bit where he breaks Batman is, mm. is, is fantastic it is great and it's scary and upsetting because we don't usually see our heroes yeah we don't see our heroes get broken in front of us it doesn't really we don't see our heroes lose like that Mm. and of course then we get on to to go back we get to the dark knight the dark knight has i mean Heath Ledger's joker is just instantly iconic and it's part of it is the fact that Heath Ledger died before the film came out part of it is that his performance is just pure chaos and he's just this dog chasing a car as he says and it's it's terrifying to watch but so charismatic and captivating from the opening heist through to his final moment hanging upside down and laughing it's yeah it's one of those performances you wish could have been done again because I would have loved to have seen the ending of this trilogy that had the option for Heath Ledger to be in it because I don't know what they would have done, but it would have been interesting. And then, yeah, and then you get Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent Two-Face who goes through the journey in The Dark Knight who has some great beats to it and it ends tragically and it's it's a great performance from Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, so I... I think one of the reasons these films work for me is that their villains are just so uh, complicated, but also just really well thought out. Yeah, it was, it was such a weird choice. I remember no one was like, no one would have thought Heath Ledger for Joker, you know? I mean, it was I mean, controversial at the time. Thought... I remember it yeah. that in the same way that Daniel Craig as Bond had uproar, this had uproar. and Because you've seen him in like these sort of, very light-hearted films i love 10 things i hate about you like you watch that and you don't think oh this guy's gonna play the joker one day you know <laughs> but he was such a brilliant actor and he had so many um layers to him and he could do pretty much anything and it's just so sad that it was cut so short because everything he did was awesome <laughs> absolutely and yeah he has a charisma to him that he takes mm. for the joker and he warps because his joker is very charismatic but also you know shoves pen when it does, shoves a guy's head into a pencil so you should do it that way around yeah it's <laughs> it's brilliant to watch and i i had t-shirts of him i yeah i for a time i was really into it um less so now i kind of yeah less so now than i did at the time but every time i watch it, i'm like this is an incredible performance and it's a joy to watch um one thing we didn't mention, we should probably mention, is the vehicles. Is uh, as part so part of Batman Begins and on through the rest of the films is that the idea that this is grounded and set in a real world, and so a lot of Batman Begins is him in by him um, getting the resources he needs, so building his uh, costume, getting the various uh, tools and gadgets he's going to use. And part of that is his cars, is his bikes, is his, by the third one, a sort of hovercraft bat plane thing. Um, what do you think of the vehicles? What do you think of like the tumbler, the bat bike and the bat? I mean, they're not as fun as Adam West's Batmobile, but like you said, they're more grounded in reality. Um, you can kind of see like how this would be possible for like a billionaire playboy um <laughs> you know um yeah i i mean i don't have strong opinions on the 
the Batmobile tour but they do um very much echo kind of the Arkham games um I feel like those designs are very similar so at least put that going for it um I do think the bike in the last in the last one's actually pretty cool because the wheels kind of turn around and stuff and it's kind of cool um would actually love that for real life that'd be great <laughs> yeah the bike's fun and the bit in the dark night where the tumbler gets blown up and the bike comes out of it and it's I think it's you see about a minute after that where he goes like up on a wall and it spins around and comes back down and it's like that couldn't happen but it looks great it looks really <laughs> really great when he does it um do you have any standout sequences across the three films do you have any like action sequences or moments that you like this is the film at its best i mean obviously the bank robbery opening of the dark knight is great i think it's a brilliant character introduction um <laughs> just when everyone is like killing each other off for the bigger shares um that's great um I love the lead up to Rachel's death when you've got the phone bomb. Um, that was like watching that back. I'm like, wow, this is actually really dark. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I remember like some of the stuff in that film, like I remember how controversial like the pencil trick was. Like I remember specifically <laughs> being at a house party and I was like, oh my God, I love the dark night. And this woman was like, oh, but what about the, the violence? <laughs> because of the pencil it's not that graphic or anything but at the time being a child pretty much and watching that that was wild um I love Bane breaking Batman's back that whole sequence is quite brutal like because up until that point Batman's quite easily able to take opponents down I guess um and this guy is like you said so intimidating and just huge (laughs) um so it, it's it goes on for a while and he's doing this whole speech at the same time and it's great um so yeah i'd say those are my favorite but i also do really like the quieter moments that you get like that last scene of the dark knight rises where alfred sees bruce in florence um i think that's kind of nice too i love those also the truck flip obviously <laughs> i mean the truck flip is insane it's still one of my favorite it uh, sticks in my head. <laughs> I just, every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't believe you actually did this. My favorite fact yeah. is that, so they were, the street they were filming on was in the financial district of Chicago, I think. And there are like rods un- on this, under the street um, that like put rods in so they can flip it. And they have to tie they had to time it exactly right. Otherwise they would pull out uh, a vault or two from underneath. Mm-hmm because the sheer amount of uh, just just the logistics of it would have ripped out a vault. Um, I mean, you picked amazing moments. I think that one of the great things of these films is, and it builds throughout the trilogy, is the kind of like sustained action sequences. So like uh, in the first one, I guess it's that uh, initial drive through Gotham in the Tumblr. Um, and then in the second one, it's, it's uh, the... Um, transporting Harvey Dent lorry flip moment and that's in fact one of my favorite action sequences ever because of the way that the the score plays into it the way it just seems to keep escalating and adapting and changing they keep driving through Gotham and changing slightly their environment and they bring in things like helicopters that get taken down it's 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 and it has this like fantastic moment at the end between uh, with the Joker where uh, his disappointment of not being hit by Batman, not being shot or hit by Batman, and then him going over to Batman. And it's just instantly iconic moment for uh, Heath. Um, every single Joker scene is is worth its time. The pencil trick, the bit with the pool cue, which gets snapped in half. As you say, it's a really dark, brutal film. It's, these are really dark films. And then, yeah, in the third one, I... I love the bit with Bane destroying Batman. I love the bit in the football stadium, particularly when Bane says, what a lovely voice that boy has or something what like that. What a lovely voice. I was like, oh, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I just love the action set piece in these films, but there are those quiet conversations. Obviously the size of a tangerine has become a parody and a meme but that conversation that Alfred has about 
hunting down this criminal in the rainforest who's just throwing away jewels. He doesn't, he's just doing it because he's doing it. Um, yeah, all those conversations are so interesting. All those moments are so interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's so many standout sequences in this in this trilogy. It's it's <laughs> kind of want to go and watch them again. I've only watched them recently. Oh yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> because I should watch other films. <laughs> <laughs> they can wait. <laughs> um. So clearly, these were huge cultural moments, particularly the second one. I think the second one is was the biggest film of its year mm. uh, in and seemed to be talked about by everyone. What do you think of the cultural impact of these films and have they waned in the years since? Because since this, we've had another version of Batman and we're about to get an, another version on top. So we will have had two additional versions of Batman by the end of this year. So in the 10 years since... Oh yeah, <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. Too many. <laughs> I think everyone's trying to live up to it, um, which is a difficult task. But uh, God, I mean, The Dark Knight had such an impact. Um, just all the YouTube variations, like there was things like the Joker blogs, like people were making sort of sort of fan fiction and continuations of The Dark Knight, and really latched onto the Joker character. Um, I think everyone just loved the chaos that he brought. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was still pretty popular. Like, I'd say this is... I think if you asked people what their favourite Batman films were, these would probably be up there, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting that it's had so many versions so quickly. Like, <laughs> what, what was with the whole Ben Affleck thing and then immediately doing... <laughs> Rob Pattinson's one <laughs> that was wild um but yeah I guess I guess the controversy of I guess Batfleck that was everyone hated it because he actually killed people right was that am I remembering that correctly uh, not, not Ben Affleck but Batman's Batman. <laughs> I don't I think we should state that I don't think Ben Affleck has killed anyone but if he has hey we're we, predicting we don't know him. he could have um so the thing with the thing with the Zack Snyder films is that um, if the Dark Knight films are dark and they are dark, it takes that and seems to amp it up even further. Um, and it is that he kills people. Then, I mean, at the end of Batman Begins, uh, Batman essentially kills the villain by being like, I won't kill you, but I'm not going to save you. He opts out. <laughs> and that's like, no, you, that, you're still killing them. If you don't save him, you're still yeah. killing him. It's not direct, um, but, you know. <laughs> I think it was more uh, um, Zack Snyder's style and the fact that Batman vs Superman is just not a very fun watch. Um, mm. And uh, then, obviously, Warner Brothers had a meltdown and we got Justice League. Um, I think Warner Brothers are quite bad at managing this character. I think they're quite bad at at handling this character and its long the longevity of its character of this character. So basically at the end of the Dark Knight rises, they should have been like, right, we're gonna take a break for five, six years, no Batman for a few years, we'll do the other characters. We've got all these characters, we're just gonna leave Batman to one side, let the Dark Knight rises, let the dust settle. But I think it was like three years afterwards we got the new one. Mm. Um yeah and, and to put so to put the Dark Knight into context, this is the same year as Iron Man. So whilst um, DC are having this like phenomenal trilogy of films. Marvel suddenly then managed to launch their cinematic universe and then change things forever. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, and my thing. So my thing is, I, I do think these are genuinely still really liked films. I do think that if you ask most people what their favorite Batman is, The Dark Knight will will win that kind of vote. Uh, my only my thing is, I think. So I saw The Dark Knight in the cinema maybe in 2000 when they re-released it in the early stages of uh, cinemas being reopened. And I went and saw it. And then I was a bit like, I think this is a film of 2008. Not that it's aged in terms of its craft or how it looks and feels, but that thematically and what it's talking about is it feels very much of that time, like the whole war and terror that was happening at the time the whole pitching joker as a terrorist 
uh, or at the le- a very least a realistic force of chaos hmm. as opposed to a gangster which he normally is so I, I do think that the cultural impact of sending the dark knight was at its peak in 2008 because of that whole because the themes are drawing so much from what was in the news at the time and also because it fed into Heath Ledger's kind of mythos because he died like six months before the film came out so it, it had that impact do you ever wish there'd been a fourth so obviously so the dark knight rises ends with the nuclear bomb being blown up well, being flown off to be blown up by batman and the world assumes he's dead but he seems to have set up a lot of things to have happened so he seems to have set up his heir which is um joseph gordon leavitt whose name is robin which <laughs> um <laughs> is silly but I, I like joseph gordon leavitt in the film i think he's really good in the film i just think that beat is like oh no you could have called him like something else uh, silly <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's set... or something. <laughs> we and it could have been like Tim Drake could have been like um, whoever any of the other Batman Robin mm. character names. Um, but so yeah, it sets him up as the next version. It shows that uh, Bruce had fixed the fault of his uh, bat. So it's early on. It said that the bat can't autopilot doesn't work, and then he fixes the autopilot. So it's that he could have set up an autopilot. Um, what else is there? There's another beat in there. Oh, uh, Commissioner Gordon discovers a fixed uh, bat light. Bats, the, the bat lantern symbol thing, whatever that is that goes up in the sky. And then obviously the final, final thing is that uh, Alfred sees Bruce. So he's talked about going to Florence and hoping that he'll just see Bruce there one day. And they're not, they don't know each other. They're kind of separate. Bruce has gone off and had his life. And he sees Bruce. So, uh, long story short, would you have liked a fourth one of these films that guest follows Joseph Gordon-Levitt's new Batman? I don't think so. I really like how Bruce's story wrapped up. And while it obviously does set up Robin, and it could have continued quite easily with the sequels, I think it works really nicely, even as just letting that hang. I think we're so balls deep in an era of sequels and franchises that I I think it's just nice to let it lie on its own you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that and kind of leaving it to the imagination like we know how the the rest of the story is probably going to go um we've had plenty of versions since that can probably fill in the blanks (laughs) um but yeah I, I just think it works so nicely as a trilogy as it is that we we didn't really need any more than that yeah, it feels almost quaint that there is this series of films, this trilogy of films. There is a means to do a sequel, and it's never been done. And no one has ever tried to do it. I guess Nolan has zero interest in it because he's off making whatever film he wants to make. At this um, point, it's kind of admirable. <laughs> yeah, it just it feels like if The Dark Knight and Iron Man being in the same year kind of points to where superhero movies are going to go, it feels quite admirable to be like, we're not going to do any more. And like, apparently they offered bail money to come back and be Batman for the Batman vs Superman film. But he said, no, I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, it turned down money, which is, you know, good. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it feels uh, fitting for the films that yes, there is this, uh, open door at the end but we don't need to know what's in that door we can just enjoy them as a set of films hmm. uh what's your favorite batman like of the men who've played batman which is your favorite such a tough one um like i said i really love christian bale but i also love adam west and will arnett is brilliant <laughs> Um, so I can't really pick a favorite, but those are probably my top ones. I will say I do also really enjoy like all the nineties ones as well. Like I know everyone gives Joel Schumacher shit because of the bad nipples, but I think <laughs> that was camp and it was great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I liked them all. I, so I, I'm not going to defend Batman and Robin, but I do think that Batman is an inherently camp character and a camp creation. And 
I, as much as I am excited for the Batman, I would love a day when we can go back to it just being a little bit less, just being a little bit more camp, just a little bit more quippy. I kind of want that. I don't think we're going to get that. <laughs> I don't think our Pats is going to give us that. Um, no, I'm actually kind of looking forward to like, it, it looks so angsty to the point where they might be taking the piss. And I can't tell if they are or not. And I, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, we we are recording this. Uh, is it five days? Mm. Five days before the release of the new one. None of the uh, reviews or none of the press have, can say what they thought about it. So I have no idea if this film is going to be a five star masterpiece or not. <laughs> I'm having I'm having faith in it. I'm deciding that now i've got i mean i mean the trailers are phenomenal the trailers for the batman are phenomenal i mean paul dano do i need to say anymore (laughs) uh yeah and so much so much the cast is great i had to dampen my excitement when the first trailer came out because i couldn't be that excited for a film that i wasn't certain when it's going to come out and i'm still surprised this hasn't moved just because that's the way films work now is that they move constantly Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited for the Batman and just to see what it's like, just to just to see it. <laughs> and what's your favorite Batman film? Oh, um, it would be between the Dark Knight and the 60s film and Lego Batman. <laughs> It'd be between those three, probably. I'll allow it. I mean, my favorite is is Batman Returns because it's weird and sexy and terrifying <laughs> all good things <laughs> all good things um yeah no uh i think the dark knight is a phenomenal film i think it's probably the best film of batman but it's not my favorite it's not it's big and sprawling and and a lot <laughs> uh, this is always really fun so really good fun to chat to you about films you're going to come back in the near future to talk about marilyn monroe and talk about uh, two two great films for my musical series. Um, but before that point, where can people find you? Uh, where can they go off and find more of your reading, at, not your reading, your writing and your podcast appearances? Yeah, I mean, I'm on here quite a lot, obviously. So people can find my other episodes on here. Um, I'm also on the Bloody Good Screen podcast. Um, I'm really proud of the episodes we've done so far. Like, I think we've really found, we've found the vibe. Like, I don't know. I'm quite happy with them. Um, and on Twitter, I'm at ChloeDav196. On Instagram, I'm Chloe.Davis96. And I'm also now doing film and TV news at Screen Rant. So everyone go look at that because that means I get more money. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. We, you, uh, you should give us a link to that. Give me money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport, because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. As always, thank you so much for listening, and thanks, Chloe, for coming back on She's always a fabulous guest to have on and is one I've already booked for my musical series. You can find us on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at Adults2Pod and our email address is not just for podcast at gmail.com. And is this the greatest version of Batman for you? Which of these films is your favourite? And do you have any standout moments from the series? If you're listening and would love to come on and chat about a family film or work you grew up with, why not ping us on our socials or send us an email? We love talking about all kinds of family films and really family adjacent films are fine any any film is fine for us to talk about really as long as we can make it work within the parameters of this podcast and if you like us then please do think of subscribing to us rating us and shouting us wherever you shout about your podcasts 
But as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you real soon.